This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to Green and White, the weekly Argyle Life podcast. I'm your host Josh and with us this week we've got Nick. Hello. We've got Adam. Hello. We've got Sam. Hello. And I'm thrilled to introduce to you our newest contributor and first time on the podcast, Finn. Hi there. Uh, Just a quick reminder before uh, we get started... Uh, for the articles and up-to-date Argyle news and analysis, make sure you check us out, Argyle Life on Facebook and Argyle Life 1886 on Twitter and on Instagram. You can also make sure you don't miss another podcast by subscribing to Green and White on Spotify or on iTunes where the new episode is uploaded each week. Uh, this weekend was a good weekend for Plymouth Argyle. Uh, back to business with a 1-0 win in the FA Cup first round over uh, Bolton Wanderers in a performance that Sam described as the best performance thus far in a real competition under Ryan Lowe. So what I will do is I will throw this over to Sam uh, for his thoughts since he made such a bold statement about the game. Sam, what did you think? Well, we know, but give us a bit more detail. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm absolutely delighted with how the game went. As I did say, I think it was the, the best performance we've had under Ryan Lowe, except possibly in the Swindon Checker trade game, which, you know, there's question marks as to how seriously Swindon were taking it. So in what I would term a, a really competitive competition where both teams were taking it fully seriously, I think that is the best performance, probably level with the Warsaw game. Uh, we had a great deal of chances. We had our goal. We had a very good McFadden chance that he he, he, he headed poorly. Uh, we had forced Matthews into three good saves in the first half. Wooten had a half-decent chance for the edge of the box. I think there was one more quite a good chance I'm forgetting just now but there were, uh, the long and short of it is there were a lot of good chances that we did have very happy with how we played we restricted Bolton to minimal chances really Palmer didn't have any saves of any note to make there was a, I think they had a bit of a goal line scramble but that was about it um, they didn't have a great deal at all 1-0 very much flattered Bolton uh, we were fully worth our win very happy with how we played. We had the most of the, the meaningful possession. I know the possession stats were quite even, but in terms of meaningful possession around the box where it looked dangerous, we definitely had more of that. We had more control of the game and we had more chances. So I'm very happy with a good win and a good performance. Finn, I'm aware that you were there as well. So uh, is there anything you thought particularly from the game? Well, first of all, um, I think... Obviously, it was not a very nice day, so I was a bit apprehensive about that already. Um, I've been to lots of games, and I'm sure we all have, of Argyle playing poorly and it being 
you know, poor weather as well, not being a very nice day out. But I felt we needed a response after Exeter, considering how poor that performance was. And I think pretty much um, all of the yeah, fan base was expecting a, a response, and they certainly got that. I think uh, it was a epitome of a team performance, really. And um, I think everyone played sort of a 7 out of 10, if you like, with some with a couple standing out. I thought Josh, um, Josh Grant had a really good game in um, centre defence and midfield. Um, and he's particularly dealt with the, uh, well with the height of Daryl Murphy and um, Chris O'Grady, who's obviously very experienced. And Joe Edwards moved out to right wing back, but I'm, uh, if he went CDM, I'm not sure he would have been able to deal with the height so well. Um, I, I wasn't really aware. I, I don't think many of us would have predicted Josh Grant to start in in that role at the start of the at the at the start of the day. Um, and having not watched it back, it's difficult to. Well, not not been able to watch it. It's difficult to comment. Do you think that is that something? Is that a role that he could do well in the future, perhaps in league games? I mean, you'd hope so. Um, for example, uh, we had uh, Jan Tongo there last season, but obviously he divided opinion. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Puts it lightly. <laughs> so yeah, so we're, I'm hoping that we have a more consistent uh, sort of. Player, player there that can they can do the job there because I do think it's um, helpful, especially when you're playing one CDM against usually two strikers uh, or, uh, or a big striker okay. in four two three one. Um, because like I said, they can deal with the height and he's not been very consistent. But weirdly, the two um, games where Josh Grant has really impressed me have been in the cup, which is all well and good. But you would hope that he'd do in the league because what springs to mind for me about Josh Grant is obviously those mistakes last weekend. But the, the, when he came on against um, Scunthorpe um, in CDM and it was the last minute and he didn't jump and it was one long ball up the pitch and we conceded uh, from that. So I'm really hoping that he... Because I think he's a talented young player. I mean, you don't just get into Chelsea's youth system for, for nothing. But I have seen glimpses of where he can be a really good player. But I think, like like we've seen with the likes of Ashley Smith-Brown and Tafari Moore in the past um, few years, um, I think... It takes time to get used to proper professional football, especially when you're playing in that under twenty one Premier League. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I think I was gonna decide. I'll just give give you a little, just a quick little insight on a few bits. Well, one bit in particular that um, I know of in professional academies that are uh, certainly in the top flight, upper top flight. So you, your likes of Chelsea. Man City, Arsenal, um, whoever, your very, very top Premier League clubs uh, tend to only keep on academy prospects throughout their young careers if they think that they can, uh, if there is the potential at some point to play Premier League football. Um, They don't tend to keep them on um, if if they think that they might be a professional but not at that level. um, They tend to filter them out and they go to, obviously, like your London clubs, your North West clubs have got lots of little feeder teams. Um, nearby, who, who they'll pass on youth prospects to. So someone like Josh Grant, who is still at Chelsea, I'm correct in saying at his age, um, there's obviously something about him, something that they see in him, because clubs like that don't bother retaining players um, unless they are they really see the potential in them. So he's got something. Um, I think he has been very hot and cold so far. Um, I know Sam's moaned about him a lot. Um, I've had to stick up for him in the past. Um Nick, I'm sure you've got a take on Josh Grant. No, I was going to say, I think it goes to show that one game doesn't define a player and that some overly reactionary idiots were saying that he wasn't fit to be a footballer 
couple of weeks back. Um, couldn't possibly put a name on that person. No, I can't think who um, what might have been. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I don't believe I should know that word. You, you might not have said those words, but there were heavy implications <laughs> about what you said. Anyhow... You, Let's stick to the facts, facts. right? I will dig back and find the quote. Um, You know what I'll do? I will play (laughs) that quote from the start. I I will find that quote, and if it's sufficiently bad, I will run it at the start of the podcast, just so that it's fresh in everyone's mind. What was I going to say? So yeah, one a bad, a horrific game doesn't define a player. I think that's an important thing, particularly at a young age. Um, Two, I wasn't actually. While I wasn't. I didn't believe my immediate reaction when I saw the team was that fantastic when I saw Grant in defensive mid. I suppose it's partly because I thought he was a right wing back, not defensive mid. But anyhow, I wasn't too disappointed when I found out because I actually thought he did well for the last 15 minutes against Chelsea when he came on uh, against him in the cup. He was quite tidy in winning the ball back. I know there's potential question marks about how he did for the goal, but otherwise I thought his performance was quite decent there. So I'm not altogether too surprised that he was, you know, looked, <coughs> looked comfortable there. Uh, the weekend. Uh, otherwise, um, it it definitely gives us a Joe Edwards backup if Joe Edwards isn't available for if you want that defensive style, as opposed to a Randall or Baxter style possession based player. But I also um, think it's important to point out that he's only on loan here till January, so he's got to prove himself quickly if he wants to, you know, stay here and confirm his place in the team. Because he's got good competition, especially when Baxter comes back, who's also competing for a contract. Yeah, it's a good point. We're actually getting to the stage where quite a few, because Clark and Baxter are both going for professional extensions, uh, full-time extensions rather, while you've got Rudden's loans coming to an end, as is uh, Josh Grant, as you said. Cooper's ends in January, doesn't it? Cooper's is, is till the end of the season, but we have the option, we've got to, buy the option to buy him in January, yeah. okay. I believe. I'm not sure we're going to um, purchase him, because I think you know Darren McAntony is quite notorious for getting his money's worth, and Yes, and Hallett wants to spend big, but I can really see that being in the region of kind of 600,000-ish. I believe they agreed the fee. The, yeah. fee. the fee's pre-agreed in the contract. It's not like an up for negotiation. It's They've agreed that they have the right to buy for X amount in January. Good and chance to... that, that that amount will be quite high at the moment. It might. There's a possibility that it could be renegotiated because actually he hasn't exactly pulled up trees so far has he been don't be wrong I like him um, but I don't think he's done spectacularly well and he's actually spent quite a lot of time on the bench so I think any fee at the moment that is in there is I would be surprised if it's not too high for for what we've seen so far but I could be wrong I could be wrong and I presume Nick's now going to cut that out because you know we've got to praise him for all his worth for our sponsorship reasons oh shit Sorry, I love George Cooper. <laughs> Sign whatever we need. Sign him on. Pay him what we need. It will be a massive waste of that bloody sponsorship money we paid for him. Yeah. If, um, at least we get a first refusal. Give us a bloody home goal, George. Yeah, come on. Even though no, he's on loan until the end of the season anyway, so we got our money's worth. Scratch that. True, true. That is <laughs> In true. fact, good, this means we sponsor someone new next year. This has really veered off. Yep. It really has. But yeah, thanks, yeah. George. You're the best. <laughs> if you could just score a goal. I think we've got a lot of strikers at the moment. And uh, I saw today, I think we were linked with, was his name Olafola, Olamola, something like that? Olamola. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm not saying that, I mean, Peter Roke isn't really uh, 100% reliable. No journalist is, but you know what I mean. Um, but I do think, you know, 
it, there, there might be something in that and if there is especially with Rudden not being in the squad on, on Saturday I think one of them has to go back whether it be Billy Clark or Zach Rudden um, because you can't have eight strikers competing for the same spot I think I would be Rudden's at um, loan ends in January from what yeah. I've seen so far be don't know whether I'd be more surprised or disappointed that he'd be kept on because I'd just not seen anything in him at all. I know Sam agrees with me on that. Alan, I know you're, you've not said so much so far. So what's your take on the striker situation? And particularly, we'll bring up Zach Rudden because his loan's ending soon. All right, yeah. So to be honest, it, it, it's almost the same answer, I think, for a lot of players we've had so far in the sense that it, it's a hot and cold sort of thing. I think with Rudden, what I have seen from him a fair bit is at least that he's getting into the positions that you'd expect a Ryan Lowe striker to do so, to get goals. But... He misses a lot of chances. I'm thinking back to, what was it, the Oldham game in the last minute where he had a guilt head chance, missed it. Swindon, he had a couple of chances, fluffed them both. And I mean, it's all one and good. I mean, the signs are there of a good player. There was another against Reading. There was another very recently. Who was it very recently? Uh... Was the next to was it Orient? Yeah, against Leighton Orient, the handball missed it from like two yards. Oh, of course, on his of course, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I, I think those examples. I mean, the there's plenty of them. I mean, it's all well and good. No, us saying or me saying, you know, there's signs of a good player there. But in a situation we're in, those striker positions, their ability to finish is absolutely vital. It's you know their their main role in a Ryan Low system. And if Rudden's not doing it, as much as I can appreciate what he's trying to do and what he's been trying to bring to the team so far, if he's not able to to start finishing those chances, I, I wouldn't be surprised, to be honest, if we get to January and see someone someone else come in or, or Rudden go back. Whether or not that would involve Lowe wanting to do is make Stephen Gerrard a favour remains to be seen. But there's a lot of a lot of things at play there. But I mean, you know, there's a striker situation in general. I'm encouraged by Byron Moore coming back although I admit I have reservations about his finishing as well so I mean it'll be interesting to see how it develops for sure and if Olamola is someone that that we can bring in and and have a look at at least then who knows it might be for the better. On the topic of Olamola I know that um, Rory Rory Drake is a big fan or he's a he used to be a fan of him when he was at Yeovil um, two seasons ago and possibly uh, when he was on loan at Yeovil at the back end of last season too. I don't think he's that fantastic. Um, he's a nice blend of physical and athletic, but I just don't think he's that fantastic. He's 22 at the same time, so he's sort of play. He might improve over, over the years, and maybe he's the guy who comes in hits the ground running, but just... Like I know a lot of people get excited when you throw a striker's name around because they just focus... They look at his goals and nothing else and be like, yeah, fantastic player. Um I, I'm just not that excited. I would like to sign him just because I'd like to see Janos try and pronounce his name each week. Sam, mostly. I mean, they struggle with Sarsovic for God's sake. Especially like in the Lindhurst, it's, it's quite a spectacle sometimes. There's a guy who used to sit mm. behind me in the Lindhurst when we signed Stefan Zuba. I remember telling his wife, and his wife just didn't believe him. She she genuinely thought he was making it all up. Just couldn't accept that we'd signed a player called Stefan Zuba. Yeah, be I mean. Yeah, Janos can't pronounce 
Anything. The the guy on the radio definitely the weekend was saying um, Watson at centre back, and that was doing my head in. On the, on the, I was driving up to Marjorie. Wishful thinking. Who was it, it? Name and shame. I, I don't know who it was. David Fox was next to him. Maybe maybe he was stuck in two thousand and five a bit. I don't know. But yeah, I mean me, me and Josh. A lot of are. are. <laughs> me and Josh sit next to each other at Argyle, and there is a guy sitting behind us in block one who always calls Wooten Watson without fail. Consistently, I mean, I think he... less, I'm not even sure which guy that is because there's so many. Oh, it's the one it's, directly it, behind us. But yeah, the one who always had to go at Macy last season. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. if you're listening to this, thousands. you're an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which he no doubt does. Fair, there's the one plenty of people. The one who always takes Macy. Yeah, yeah. to be fair, at least he was onto something with that one. (laughs) (laughs) I, um, yeah, talking about Watson, so I saw, obviously, I saw a start on, um, you put on Twitter actually. Um, So they've had uh, six clean sheets in nine games, is it? Yeah, nine games that Wooten, Canavan, Sawyer have started together this season. Six clean sheets, six goals conceded, and half of those were in the 3 1 against Northampton. Yeah, they've, they've done well, but I still have concerns personally. Maybe just because I, I mean, some maybe my expectations are too high. I don't know, but I feel like they might work well as a unit. But if one of them has an off day, that makes the other two have an off day because you've only got you've got two outside centre backs protecting one, uh, one middle centre back protecting two outside centre backs. So they need to perform consistently, and I think um, the three together. Are good, but individually they're too inconsistent, yeah, and I think that's, that's a problem like that's last fair. season as well. Because like we tried Josh Grant at centre back, and that hasn't worked. So now we're moving that to centre defence midfield, and they built some good performances. But yeah, Sawyer, and I mean they were also part of the defence that got relegated last season. So maybe that's where some of my lack of confidence comes mm. from. Maybe what I, I would say. Go on. I'll, I'll just go in quickly. What I would say about um, centre backs this season, and it's something something I think I've said to Sam a few times, um, is the system that we play uh, generally is going to expose those players more with two attacking midfielders and only one holding player in front of the back three. It can leave you with a lot of work to do defensively. Um, everyone's aware that Berry's defensive record was, uh, if you took it in isolation, um, was not what you'd expect maybe for a team that finished uh, second they, f- they finished second didn't they yep. um, for a team that finished second in League 2 um, and it does sort of expose to more situations and even despite that people still wanted um, obviously Ameson who we got uh, and Adam Thompson as well um, I think you're right they've certainly been inconsistent so far this season but I do wonder how much of that is down to uh, well maybe whether they are as individuals, not all that. And I think there is an aspect of that because all through last season we saw um, like Canavan, for example, Canavan blew very hot and cold and when he was good, he was very good. And, and when he was bad, he was pretty terrible. So I think possibly an element of both. Um, but consistency has certainly been an issue. And I, I think Adam said earlier, it's an issue possibly for, for lots of players so far this season. Um, but I think those stats as a unit I mean, there's six clean sheets in nine games is is a is a very good statistic for a back three. So I think it's possibly worth persisting with those three for now. As much as I've liked Ameson from what I've seen him, um, I think you can't argue with those those stats at the moment. Um, but Adam, I'll let you. 
Well, I mean, it, it, it is that really, isn't it? When we're looking at six clean sheets in nine games, despite the fact that we're very much set up to attack and we will expose the defence. I've seen a few, as, as soon as teams break on us, it's just a case of, well, you know, that will happen. That's how we're set up. There's not much we can blame the defence on for that. And I do agree in the sense that it, it's well worth persisting with if their record is that good. There is just a part of me that's still annoyed and surprised, if you like, that we still haven't seen what would be, in my view anyway, our two best defenders in Canavan and Ameson on the pitch at the same time. I mean, we, we, we've spoken about Josh Grant's ability in the air. We've spoken at length about Wooten's ability in the air. And it occurs to me, and I know, I know it occurs to quite a lot of us really, that Ameson and Canavan would be the best defenders in terms of aerial ability that we have and if we're conceding a lot of goals based on the fact that we lose headers, I mean, I know that, that we, we've had a fair few articles out on that one about the the way that we've conceded from set pieces, the one that, that was mentioned about Josh Grant against Scunthorpe. I mean, it, it would seem to me an obvious fix to have more defenders on the field who are confident in the air. But I mean, as I say, you know, you can't really argue with that stat that um, Wooten, Canavan and Sawyer have got a good record between them. So I don't know, it, it, it's another one of those where I, I'll probably say it for everybody. There, there's pros and cons about who you put on the field. They do like to blow hot and cold by the looks of it. But for the moment, if we lined up with those three in the next game, there'd be an underlying annoyance. But I, I wouldn't be too disappointed. Yeah, um. I my my take on it is, is very is very kind of nuanced because I think Wooten, Canavan and Sawyer, on paper, um, in terms of purely results and goals conceded with them on the pitch, they're our best three in terms of goals conceded per minute and that kind of thing. But in performance, I think with Wooten, the way Wooten's been this season, he ha- he is capable of doing some good stuff. He has had a better season than I thought he would. He's had some games such as Mansfield away, Crew away, Colchester home, Bolton away games of that nature where we've kept the clean sheet and he's not really put much of a foot wrong however he's also had some games where he's had some stinkers such as for example uh swindon away i know we only conceded one but he was pretty poor our game of passing was dreadful a couple about newport away he was not good um northampton i think is another one he was really not good so it's kind of a button when he's good yeah he can be really on it he can have a seven or even or eight or a nine out of ten performance but he can also have really, really bad stinkers that Ainson, Canavan and Sawyer don't quite get. So it's do you kind of keep that same three with Wooten, who, you know, he might have a 4 out of 10 game or he might have a 9 out of 10 game. Or do you put Ainson in who, you know, he, he you can probably pretty likely have at least a 6 or a 7, but he hasn't maybe yet reached Wooten's best level this season but I guess who's to say he can? Mansfield you know. Yeah, who's to say he can? You're right. But he, he could well do. And at the Mansfield game, he was very good. So maybe I'm being a little bit harsh on him there. But I think at the moment, when that three are gelling as well as they are, I would keep them together for the next game. Just because I think there, there is an underrated value in chemistry that they could be, you know, even if they're not the three best individually, if they've all got the understanding of each other, that nuance, that understanding of strengths and weaknesses and a pairing, I'd keep that three together. But in the long term, if one of them were to get injured or one of them were to drop off form, I'd be looking at putting Ameson back in. I think so. I think regarding that stat there, I think number one, you've got to be wary of um, of 
how reflective that is. So that, that that would mean a lot if those back three and the team in particular were restricting teams from having big goal-scoring opportunities. And by and large, they haven't. Because you look at Mansfield. Mansfield, they missed two one-on-ones. So is that an earned clean sheet? Not really. Oh, wait, no, he didn't play Mansfield. What am I talking about? Um, ignore that one. But Crew, Crew should have had about three goals. Crew should have had I at least he, two I thought goals. he did play Mansfield. No, it was Ameson. Ameson and Wooten. Oh, no, no, sorry. I'm there. talking about the Canavan... Sawyer, Wooten. Okay, right, gotcha. I thought I thought you were talking. No, about no, no. Wooten I'm talking about Callum yeah. Sawyer and Wooten. Wooten did play Wooten. at Mansfield, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, no, but Wooten, I'm talking about yeah. that tri- that trio was with the six clean sheets and nine. So, oh, right, go on. My apologies, go on. So what you're looking at is Crew definitely should have scored. The Crew should have had at least one, probably two. Quite frankly, if anyone deserved to score three in that game, it was probably Crew, not Argyle, in terms of impure chances created. Um, Carlisle missed an absolute. Si- well, no, no, that Leighton Orient missed an absolute sitter late on. Um, Carlisle missed a really good from a co- really good chance from a corner. I uh, pretty much what I described is as well, wasn't it? The, the one where they really should have yeah. gone one 0 up yeah, just, it, just yeah. before we did. Uh, it was, I, I sort of described the difference between say an Oldham game, an Oldham result, or a Salford result, and and Carlisle was purely that when they had their set piece chance, they fluffed it. They hit the bar from like four yards. Um, and what was it? Walsall. Walsall was good one actually, but. Uh, I swear there was another one. Um, anyhow, point being, how many of them truly look like clean sheets? And then on the fl- flip side, how many other games should we have, say, kept a clean sheet or conceded fewer and just because of a good finish? Um, so it's hard to potentially just look at pure clean sheets and say definitively, yes, that makes them our best back three. The two further comments are, one, I worry that Lowe is a bit of a... Um, or at least he's revealing himself to be a bit of a I'll stick with a winning team kind of person rather than I'll, you know, pick always what I think is the best team. And and two, sorry, just the uh, three rather, the final point on from that. I think part of the reason Wooten looks better is because one of his big... Who's eating crisps? Um, I might have opened a packet, yeah. You are joking. <laughs> <laughs> always the way. Wait, like, five minutes, Sam, for the podcast to finish. Jeez. <laughs> I didn't think it would be that noisy. Go on. If you're going to do it, turn your mic off. Anyhow, um... No, don't tell him to do that. I'll never get it back. (laughs) 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 Anyhow, yeah. I think the third third point is that um, Wooten's main main weakness last season and still a bit this season, definitely from set pieces, winning headers. But by putting him in that back three, he's competing for so many few headers. So last season in the back in uh, obviously a back four as two centre backs, he's one of the main people stepping forward to having to, com- uh, to have him compete with big strikers. This season, far less so. Kind of our names have been the ones dealing with a big striker, and he's largely been able to compete for fewer headers. And when he loses them, who cares? Because there's not too many people. Are, there's more defenders around, sort of thing. I think that has helped make him look better. Well, make him look better. It's 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 the same thing that we did that Adams did in 2017-18, which is. To make your team greater than the sum of its parts, you put players together that emphasise each other's strengths and minimise their weaknesses. And putting Wooten on the right-hand side of a back three minimises one of his greatest weaknesses. Yeah, agreed. I, I was just going to talk about, I think you talked about maybe sticking with a winning team, but I think maybe we're, what we're lacking is balance. Like we have some really talented players, and then we have some in, uh, inconsistent ones. And obviously you've got to have a mix. But I just don't feel like at the moment it's the right mix um, in terms of you know getting consistent results. Hence why we're thirteenth in the table. I mean, obviously we didn't play the Grimsby game, but regardless, you know. 
Um, yeah, balancing the team. Um, I kind of, I think defensively, that's, you know, that is a little bit of a balance of the problem because, I'm, you know, generally with very last season, low had two kind of big, burly centre-backs who were good at winning headers, which is what Cameron would be. At least two. And then you would have room for a third one who was a bit, bit you know, maybe a bit shorter, a bit less good in the air and a bit more of a passer. So I think you're right on that. If we had a bit more balance, we might have conceded slightly fewer goals this season overall. Uh, possibly. I think that's a fair point. Um, as for balance kind of going forward, I agree with that as well. I do say, and me, Nick and Josh have been arguing about this all season on the podcast, I do think we gain a little bit of something in central defensive midfield from not having Edwards there, just in having someone who is that little bit more composed with the ball, which Josh Grant was. And as Finn said, he had a great game on Saturday, passed the ball out very well, very composed. I not guarantee that you that if we watch that game back, means. his passing will be exactly the same as Edwards, who is a composed he may be, not be threading through balls, but he's just as composed as Josh Grant is. And you're talking out your backside with that last comment there. Finley, what, 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 what do you make of that? Do you think he was a good passer, better than Edwards normally is or not? You were, you're the only other one at the game, so what do you reckon? <laughs> Going to actually talk about um, Edwards at right wing back. I think he gives up something more. But I also think we might, what we lack more than his passing is his energy, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a sort of nippy player. I'm not going to... Well, I am going to. Uh, like, think of N'Golo Kante. Like, someone like that in a team that gives an en- gives his energy at any level. He's got that kind of energy is, is valuable to the team. But again, like I said earlier, I think having that physical presence in that defensive midfield, especially when you've only got one, um, I think that's really valuable. And yes, I do think he can do the... He's not going to be able to... Um, do consistently, uh, you know, consistently do diagonals, but I think he can live up to that um, passing ability, maybe. I think part of this comes down to um, picking the right team for for the right game. So the players themselves aren't, are, I mean, players like Joe Edwards, Josh Grant, um, when he's played there, Baxter, Randall have got different skill sets that are useful at different times. So, um, I think I, I think I'm fairly confident that Edwards was one that I picked out against Exeter City, um, because I said um, afterwards that I felt we needed a, someone better on the ball to try and um, negate somewhat of the press they played against us. So you've got different players for for different things. I think like think back to Newport who sat very deep against us um, and didn't allow us any space. Is that um, part of the issue there was Edwards and and Sarsovic as well. I think the, the passing that they offer isn't wasn't good enough to break teams like that down. They weren't the right players in that moment for the game, as good as they are as individuals. So I think the answer, the right answer, is probably somewhere in between. There are some games where Joe Edwards is the best person for the job in that role. There are some games where it might be Josh Grant. There are some games where actually, he's, I know he's, I appreciate that he's a kid, but... Adam Randall might be the right option just because you know you are aware of how a team's going to set up against you. I think that's quite a... It's not something... Well, it's not something certainly we've seen at Plymouth Argyle recently because Derek Adams was very much someone of the mindset that if a team won one game, it was the right fit for another game um, no matter like how players played as individuals. So that's why we saw uh, Ladapo, for example, for so long, well, all throughout the season in, in that system. Um so I think I, I, sorry, I just yeah. wanted, very quick was that I for for me I I, I see your point with um, 
Baxter instead of Edwards in defensive mid. My response is put him in centre mid because that's where he needs to be. And you can let Edwards do the mop-up work and then you get Baxter's passing is just as effective when you put him in centre mid. He's only played one game there. It was against Oldham and we largely dominate. It's one of our uh, highest uh, level of possession. Most big chances created, most shots. Like For, for me, that's, yeah, Baxter that's not in centre mid. Yeah, exactly. Next to, Baxter next in centre mid rather than defensive yeah. mid. We don't need... The Baxter defensive mid, Sarsovic centre mid, meaning Sarsovic out of centre mid and Baxter in centre mid if you're going to play that possession style. Do you think Edwards, so now we know that Josh Grant can do that role, uh, certainly there's good signs that he can do that role. Um, Edwards at right wing back, possibly with Baxter um, as a central midfielder, would you, on in your personal opinion, Nick, would that be a, the best if, combo that we've got for those gonna, two if positions? If we're going to do the, position, the possession style, George yep. Cooper right wing back for me. And a couple of reasons why. Number one, if you go back and watch their games last season, Nicky Adams, more than anything, was would hold his width. He, he, he can take on players, which is what Cooper can do, um, but most importantly, he would deliver deep cross, deep lofted crosses, which, can anyone tell me what George Cooper's best skill has been in recent games, what he's done against Carlisle and uh, Leighton Orient, and then almost created the goal against Exeter with the goal line scramble. Deep crosses is one of his best skills. If if you want to literally match up skill for skill what they did in midfield last season, you've got Edwards as their version of um, uh, I can't remember what the young midfield was called now. Uh, Roster, yeah. Uh, you've got uh, Mary McFadden transplanted in, and they've got Baxter as the the new Jerry O'Shea, and you've got George Cooper as the new Nicky Adams. If that's what you want to do, that's how you do it. I think, yeah, I think we need someone technically good at uh, right wing back because I don't think Joe Riley is that player. I think he's a good back. Uh, back or or Edwards for me. Yeah, it's got to be Edwards, I think. No, no, no. Just, I don't think Edwards is that technical player. Think about how many times at right wing back he's played there a few times now. How many times have you seen him take on and beat someone? How many big chances he created? How many good crosses we've we seen him put in? We've seen him get on the end of a couple of chances. But when has he done the McFadden job? I'm talking about triangles in terms of from centre back and actually getting out of tight spaces. I think you're talking at cross purpose. I think Finley means DCM, Nick means right wing back. Am oh, I right? sorry. Yes, yes, you're right. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I think you've got confusing each other. Yeah, no, you're on. right. Sorry, I thought you were yeah. saying he has to yeah. be the attacking one at right wing back because he said Riley. Yeah. That's. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. No. That, yeah. I got mixed up. <laughs> Um, yeah, I think I think we've had this Riley debate a few times in the past, and he hasn't featured all that much over the last couple. Has he been injured, or has Ryan Lowe just been listening to the podcast? Well, he's, he's no, featured, he's featured the, against Exeter. He, he played Exeter. I know really against Exeter. Yeah, but he didn't. He hasn't had a long spell of games, has he? He's not he did. Swindon week. Cup, Swindon League, uh, Orient, Carlisle, Exeter, and and Chelsea. Swindon it? Cup doesn't count. Chelsea okay. doesn't count. He had, no, no, he, he, had three league, he had three league games in a row up to and including no four league games in a row up to and including Exeter, and then he wasn't even in the squad at all for Bolton, so I assume he's probably got a knock. And, and second half of the Scunthorpe game, so second half Scunthorpe, yeah. Swindon, Carlisle, Leeson, or in Exeter, and like you say, injured against Bolton. Mm. Okay. Anyway, let's shall we look. I'm aware of time as well. I know. I appreciate we've had about half an hour missed with Sam. Um, but this weekend, away at Forest Green. Um, I'll, in fact, Nick, you're good with previews and stuff. Forest Green, any good? Uh, no, mate, they're shit. Going down. Excellent. 3 0 win. Fantastic. <laughs> I End think you'll podcast. find they lost 6 0 today. But I also believe to Walsall, who are in the bottom of like three or four, I think. But I think that was a crap team and it was the. Uh, EFL trophy. Uh, you can't pick and choose when that trophy counts as a good result or not. No, it depends on if they're playing. As far as I'm aware, they literally just played their youth team, 
whereas we played a pretty strong team. So it, it depends. Play it with the tempo of a friendly match. You haven't even watched them, but no, this, we're not sure why we're getting into this debate now. Um, anyhow, point being, uh, Forest Green, largely possession-based side, quite cautious. They aren't that expansive. They generally seem to win 1-0, 2-0, which is why I think they've got the fewest goals conceded in the league. But it's not they don't throw people behind the ball. They're just quite cautious with the ball, hold possession, and you know quite conservative. But they've got... Patient. Yeah, they remind me also a bit of... Um, us 2016-17 when they attack and that they have a couple of flair players who do the damage but it's not like a team cohesion thing it's not like Barry so, last season when they're free flowing and attack George Williams he's good are they top? I thought they are second I've no they're track. top now I actually read something really interesting there's one of these websites talking about and I don't want to go into the whole debate about XG expected goals whether people think it's really valuable or not um, the, the website basically said that Forrest and I can't remember the exact name of it maybe I can drop it in later but Forrest Green are actually one of the most overperforming sides to their XG in the league. It says their expected goals should have them about mid-table, but they've just got some players who finish ludicrously difficult chances with consistently good finishing, and they perform their expected goals hugely. Well, this top. comes down, I mean, uh, we can relate that to last season, in that Argyle were like that for a period, weren't they? Because Lemiras just seemed to score every chance that he got for a little while. Yeah, even um, And that's what gave us that, that boost. Well. I yeah. think for certain, XG is... Um, and Nick will appreciate me saying this, that I imagine anyway, XG is an extremely uh, highly rated and valuable piece of um, analysis to, to judge performances and predict future performances. I know certainly just on XG, people have made um, serious, serious money in be- betting markets from using it. Um, and it's a massive part of analysis at professional football clubs. So I didn't, I wasn't aware of that, but I'd be interested to thing. see how that comes down. Depends on the source because there's a couple out there. It's not that one you hate. It's not, it's not that, that one. I, no, I don't it's hate it. I don't hate it. I just point out the fact that <laughs> its do. methodology is kind of rubbish <laughs> and it's to be wary. Yeah, you do. It, it's not that one. I can't remember I, what I it is. I love the guy who does it. I think he does amazing visualizations. I'm not going to say it just yeah. in case I eventually get some stick for it. But no, I love the guy who does it. I just point out that it's not accurate. <laughs> Damning with freight praise if ever I've heard it. Lovely grass, though. Yes. Nice? Yeah, no, they're amazing. Yeah. Lovely grass with complete rubbish, basically. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> got it down to a T. Brilliant. Well, um, I'm thanks to the EFL, I'm actually going to Forest Green, um, having to sit in the home end because they don't provide any uh, disabled seating in their away end. I did see that on Twitter, yeah, actually. That's quite, quite quite poor in this point, really, isn't it? Yeah. Especially for us, I mean, they are, in theory, quite a modern club, aren't they? They're supposed to be yeah. sort of a little bit groundbreaking. Values about sort of, you know, the, um, sort of veganism and all this kind of stuff, eco-friendly. But, like, they're, in my opinion, they're stopping, like, not, like, general members of the public enjoying football as much mm. I don't want to be. I know they're pro, they've got quite tame fans, but I've Ooh. I've I've got. You've said it now. Forest for, for Green Ultra. Yeah, they'll be f- throwing yeah, a letter. Here we at go. You. Throwing, the, throwing the letters at you. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm allowed to score on the weekend, you know that's gonna. I don't know. My my for example, my um, friend um, he went to Exeter away. But they had to ex- escort him through the home end, like to go to the dis- disabled toilet because they don't have a disabled toilet in the away end. It's just ridiculous. But wow, that's a recipe for trouble, isn't it? 
I'm an Exeter fan. They don't, they don't have much today, to be fair, and they're away. And it's, they've, they've improved it slightly to what it was, but it's still not great, is it? Yeah, that's a shame. It's disappointing. Would it ever, out of interest, would it ever put you off going to an away game? Oh, like, was, for example, so my, my uh, so someone I sit next to, and I sit next to every pretty much every home game, um, Portsmouth. Imagine this, Portsmouth Football Club don't have accessible seating in the away end. It's not accessible. So, he's sat in the home end before. Obviously, they've recognised he's an Argyle fan, either because his green top showing for his jumper, or he celebrated maybe a little bit too much when they scored. Or just he has um, the other guy hasn't recognised in it, but he's been spat on because like really? Argyle scored against Portsmouth, and they knew he was an Argyle fan, and he's been spat on, and he said, "I'm not going to Portsmouth until they have it successful team." That is not, shocking. Not good that is awful. That is shocking. Hmm. Yeah. Well, no. That's in 2019. That's not. It's not appropriate, is it? It's not good enough. Um. I'm surprised actually. There's no EFL standards on that sort of thing. Well, I said that. Yeah, like for all the stuff, so. for all the stuff going on in the world right now, like football is a common thing. Like no matter your views on politics or whatever, like if you support a team, you support a team, and for those nine minutes, you're all behind your team. So then, that should be a you know, I think that should go to Parliament. If it's not already a legislation, it should go to Parliament because teams should. I think they should be punished. I mean, you can legislate for standing and stuff, but they, I'm amazed that's not legislation. That you must have disabled... Well, yeah. You think it's not the most difficult thing to introduce? No. I'm guessing it's it's legislation that you have to have um, disabled area, but not that yeah. you have to supply them for away fans, yeah. I guess. That's probably it, yeah. Um, okay, so should we go to some predictions? Okay, so in as few words as possible... Prediction for Saturday, a wet forest green. Adam? One all draw. Finn? Uh, one nil Argyle. Nick? One nil forest green. Sam? Agree with Adam, one all draw. Uh, I'll go for... I can, I can kind of see it being a one all draw as well, so I'll be boring and go with that too. So one all draw. Um, I'd call it sensible. Sensible, we'll, we'll go with that. Okay. Uh, okay so that's the end of the show thank you all so much for listening again don't forget you can subscribe on spotify and itunes and make sure you check out all the articles and news etc 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 argyle.life um or you can check us out argyle life facebook argyle life 1886 on twitter and on instagram uh from all of us here on green and white thank you and goodbye goodbye bye bye Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. 
Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's stamps.com, code PROGRAM. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport, powered by fans.